We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. We are back talking about sports movies. It has been a it's been a hot minute since this podcast did a an episode on what it was founded on, just talking about a sports movie that may or may not be very good. Little housekeeping before we get into it. Uh, if you've been enjoying the Ted Lasso rewatch, I've got great news that's coming at you for the rest of season two every Thursday. Me and Alex McDaniel, sometimes a sometimes a pinch hitter, if need be, like to like today's guest. Um, but yeah, we're we're breaking that down every Thursday. And if uh, if you've been wanting to support the show, if you wake up every morning being like, how can I support big screen sports? So the first thing you can do is go leave a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, which I have said for 150 episodes now. Uh, and if you want to take it a step further, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, support the show. Uh, we've got some cool perks. You can pick movies, pick episode content, maybe do some AMAs, including a Ted Lasso AMA coming up, uh, stickers, just sent out some stickers and shout out to our producer patrons, Aaron Figaro, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Christine, and Kevin Frost. Again, if you want to support the show uh, and get some cool perks, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Now, one of the perks that our patrons get is selecting a movie to be covered on this podcast once a month, the Patron's Choice movie. And this episode is our first ever Patron's Choice movie. The patrons have selected the movie we are covering. It is The Longest Yard. And joining me to cover The Longest Yard in the first Patron's movie selection, it is my buddy, J.R. Hickey, returning to the podcast after really just a one-week hiatus because you talked <laughs> some Ted Lasso with me last week. But man, how, how are Crash, you doing? How, how, long's, how long's it been? Five days? <laughs> too long. Six? Too, <laughs> Nothing's changed. Too damn long. Uh, before we get into talking about The Longest Yard, you, you've got something different to promote than you did a week ago. Yeah. It's interesting. If anyone follows me on the socials, at JR will do it. I, I have this other account that I've been running for the past three years called Best of LinkedIn, where I make fun of the 
ridiculous over-the-top bullshit stories that people share on the social media platform LinkedIn. And it's gotten a lot of attention and traction over the last three years. Probably one of the more successful things that I've done. It's and doing better than both our podcasts combined, actually. <laughs> it's, it's doing better than any social media thing I've ever done. And so it was just kind of this thing I did in reaction to just all that fake bullshit you see on LinkedIn. And very long story short, I've started giving talks about the account and what I've learned from the account and basically how the account has changed my career. Uh, I'm 33 years old and about four years ago, I just dropped out of my previous career completely to pursue doing uh, advertising and content and social media stuff full time. And I, I want to tell that story to more people. And South by Southwest, the uh, arts and music festival in Austin, Texas, coming up in March of 2022, is giving me an opportunity to do that. So what I would love for anyone to do, if just you're so inclined, if you're feeling generous, or if you're just a fan of Best of LinkedIn, or maybe even a fan of me and Kyle, uh, go to the link in Kyle's show notes of today's episode and just vote on me giving this talk. It's literally like a thumbs up vote. You do have to create a South by Southwest account, use your email address, unsubscribe from all their emails. It takes like 15 seconds total. It would mean a lot to me. I really want to come to Austin. I want to see Crash in person. I want to record a couple of these face to face. Having South by Southwest fly me out and putting me up to do that under the guise of giving this talk about Best of LinkedIn would be an honor. So uh, yeah, if you guys could do that, that'd be huge. If not, no big deal. I'm just some random asshole on the internet. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And when you do it, you might find out you already have a South by Southwest account, which I did. I had to reset my password because <laughs> I had no I had no idea what it was. Like he said, the link's going to be in the show notes. If you, if you do vote for JR, screenshot it, send it to me on Twitter, DM me on Twitter, and you'll get a shout out in the next episode of this show. Uh, I, I would love to send it to me as send well. Send it to JR yeah. as well. Yeah, I, would, yeah I, I need him and need him in Austin. But let's. Let's talk about a movie that our beloved patrons have selected. It is The Longest Yard, the 2005 version, the Sandler version, comedy. Prison inmates form a football team to challenge the prison guards. IMDb, whoever wrote that summary is, I mean, right, but lazy. Uh, it starred Adam Sandler, Burt Reynolds, Chris Rock, and just had a million cameos. This is the second highest grossing sports comedy of all time. Behind the Water Boy. What? Behind the Water Boy. Holy shit. This one. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great news to start this off with. So first off, when you asked me to do this movie, I had to clarify. I'm like, this isn't the 1974 Burt Reynolds version, right? And you're like, no, it's the Sandler comedy, 2005. And I was like, thank God, because we can have so much more fun with this today than we did when we did, what the hell was it called? Oh, the, the track oh God, we did uh, Chariots, Chariots of, Fire. of Fire, which uh, yeah. Fire soundtrack Bad nothing, bad anything else. Uh, I, just like not a lot to react no, to in that movie. No. And I gotta imagine any sports movie from the 70s is like just changed. It's lived 50 years old yeah. at this point. So super pumped to be talking about the this. The thing with this one, I, I wanna, why do people, what is it about this movie? This movie is of an interesting time, 2005, when they were still making movies like this and putting them out into theaters and having them gross over $100 million. It's a movie that has resonates with our generation pretty well, apparently, because most of the patrons, I think, are in that general bell curve, and they voted for yep. this one uh, very handedly, nominated and voted for it. Why do people love this movie so much? I think it's what you just said. I mean, not only is it Adam Sandler still kind of at his peak, which we'll talk about, like coming right off the heels of Fifty First Dates, which is an incredible Adam Sandler movie, but the cast of cameos in this has aged really well, and I think were super relevant people at the time. 
Um, how old were you when this came out, Crash? I was 14 years old. So yeah, I, so yeah, I, was I thought, and I older. thought this was the funniest thing ever at 14. And I, I was 16 or 17, and I remember distinctly seeing this at the movie theater with like my high school girlfriend, who turned out consequently to be a whore. So that's <laughs> a good memory that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, but like I remember seeing this movie in theater and being like, that was a ton of fun, and I got to rewatch that at some point. But I also think it's weirdly been lost. In the sands of time and, and in sports movie history, because I, I don't hear people talking about it, I don't read a lot. Of, there are no memes. There's just it's just it just kind of disappeared. Well, let's talk about that. So for you, is it a Hall of Fame All Star starter or bench warmer? Because there is that that nostalgia for us. It's one of the few yeah. sports movies because they they didn't they didn't make a ton of them last decade compared to yeah. you know the eighties nineties heyday. We it's got the nostalgia factor, but you know does it. How does it hold up for you, especially watching it now as an adult? Yeah, and uh, honestly, this was the first time I'd watched it since that fateful night in the theater in 2005. So, it scarred you, huh? <laughs> it didn't you didn't catch me. this uh, one on TNT or MTV the 40 no. million times it has been on? Because that's uh, I, I almost thought about not rewatching this one. I've seen it so much. See, honestly, no, and I think that was to my benefit because all the jokes were fresh. I didn't remember much, if any, of the plot. It, it resonated so much more with me this time around, so I'm glad that I hadn't caught it on table but so to answer your question i think initially i thought this is maybe just shy of like an all-star like not middle of the road sports movie but you know uh on the upper end of that but now that you've told me that it's the second highest grossing sports movie of all time i think it's resoundingly an all-star movie that's fucking impressive and the fact that sandler is that one-two punch for both of the top grossing sports movies. I mean, just goes to show. You can think whatever you want about him. You can have any opinion you want. The guy is a massive money-making machine. It speaks to the power of Sandler. And this one isn't... So this one has a a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's not... And, like, a lot of those Sandler comedies got bad. Like, I think Billy Madison's Rotten Tomatoes rating is in the toilet. And Billy Madison, to me, is just one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. This one isn't that for me. This is probably an all-star sports movie. I think this actually has a lot of sports movie things going for it, which we're yeah. going to talk about. Um, it's got some jokes that, is, if you've seen it a million times, get kind of stale, but it did have some stuff I, I still love, some stuff I was looking for. But you mentioned he's coming off 51st Dates. This is, I want to say this is probably the end of the peak. And I mean, the mm-hmm. thing is, Sandler's peak to us is different to Sandler because with this movie, he's been able to do whatever he wants for the last 15 years. He's been able to take vacations and get paid a ton of money to make movies that kind of stink. And I wanted, I wanted to go over what maybe the best Sandler comedy post 50 first dates is because I think the best Sandler movie post 50 first dates is uncut gems, which was sure. Fantastic. No, no, not, not, not what we're talking about. Cause after Fifty First Days, and really after the the water, you know, the the Billy Madison Happy Gilmore Waterboy run, that whole thing, um, we he kind of runs into this thing where he's still doing the comedy thing a little bit, and then he starts transitioning to the family movies, the grown ups and stuff. So he in in this run, he's got after Fifty First Days, he's got this, he's got the longest yard, he's got you don't mess with the Zohan, which I haven't seen in a while. I remember really liking it. I've got to imagine it's aged really badly. He's he's got Grown Ups, he's got I Now Pronounce You, Chuck and Larry, and he's got Click, which is one of the sneaky, saddest movies of all time. Yeah, that's a heavy duty. That's a a heavy hang, for sure. Um, Well, I'll tell you what my favorite post-50 First Date Sandler comedy is, and it's a little 
expected and hipster of me, but he's really good in funny people. Oh, uh, Seth Rogen. I, I almost didn't. I I didn't even think to include that because that's such like a. But but you're right. That's I mean that's the best Sandler comedy since Fifty First Dates. You have a skinny Seth Rogen, and he's doing the. You know, he's trying to be a stand up. That movie is a cast of characters. Eric Banya, Banna, Eric Banna, Banna plays like Shout Sandler's. Out yeah, yeah. Munich. Munich. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking capping motherfuckers. <laughs> so uh, again, but it's it's in that it's in that Judd Apatow universe. It's kind of one of these weird movies. It's way too fucking long. But Sandler playing like a has been famous funny guy works pretty well. He's in love with his ex-wife and he tries to get her. The third act is kind of a mess. There's really outdated humor and jokes in it, but. He's in his element there. It's it's not the goofy Adam Sandler doing voices, and it's not the phoning it in Adam Sandler bringing all of his buddies and some hot actresses on vacation with him. It's it's somewhere in the middle, and that's why I like it. As well as I was a young stand-up comedian at one point, and I remember what that's like. It's obviously a very elevated version of that, but it touches on some truths there, which is cool. Yeah, the first uh, the first hour, hour and a half of that movie are really good, yep. and kind of like you said, it it really falls apart once you get to... I guess Sandler at the house with um, with Leslie Leslie Mann, yep. um, but yeah, I, you're you're right. I didn't even think to list that one, but that that's absolutely the the best Sandler the best Sandler movie besides Uncut Gems since uh, Fifty First Dates. But this, you, I mean, you know, can I give a shout out to one more that my first wife and I watched just two years ago? I just went to that. express that Jr. is his only wife <laughs> <laughs> for folks who don't get that Sorry. bit. <laughs> my first wife. Uh, <laughs> And I watched uh, Murder Mystery, the Netflix original movie. That's two with years Aniston, ago, right? With Aniston. Not that bad. Honestly, like, it's kind of like trying to find a nickel in a pile of shit. And, like, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's entertaining. The story moves and it's a little believable. There isn't, like, and we'll talk about this, there isn't that, like, street of juvenile humor that a lot of Sandler movies have. For some reason, Murder Mystery is just missing that. Maybe it's because he's in his fucking 50s at this point, but, like, it kind of, and maybe it's also because I just recently gotten married, and it's like a you know a new a married couple trying to rekindle things and figure it out on their I guess second honeymoon or something like that. So shout out murder mystery. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll have to to circle around and check that out. I have another question for you. Would you watch prison guard football if it was? If it was like they've been trying to make spring football work forever, thought yeah. we had a thing with the XFL until COVID hit. If it was like Tuesday night prison guard football what's the over under on how many quarters of prison guard football you would watch a week i'd probably tune in for a quarter and a half but here so the warden in this movie and we're getting into the plot a little bit like explains it to paul crew aka adam sandler like these are all ex-college stars guys who couldn't make it in the nfl it's very much like that tbt uh basketball league that we see airing every uh summer so if, if it had that type of star wattage if we had some like has been some recognizable college football names now in the P- Texas penal system. Like, <laughs> I think there's something interesting about that. There's an interesting backdrop with the barbed wire and like the guards up in towers with rifles. But overall, I think that's where like the biggest hole of this movie is. Is like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's just it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it you, you gotta you need it though. You you need it for the plot. I, I pulled a, a few IMDb trivia things. Michael Papa John was Adam Sandler's stuntman in The Water Boy, uh, making the hard hits as Bobby Boucher. In this movie, he's he's the the safety, he's the the yeah. punt returner, the safety. Yeah. I wanted to point out Michael Papa John. 
because he is also in Little Big League. He's a former LSU baseball player. He's in Little Big League, which is a great movie that I was arguing about on Twitter uh, this week. But he, he's great in that. And then uh, he also shot Uncle Ben in the first Spider-Man. Oh, my God. Yeah. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen uh, Spider-Man and know nothing about those <laughs> movies. But Michael Papa what John cr- shot Uncle Ben. What a career, though. Longest yeah. Yard, Spider-Man. The first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's the guy who shot Uncle Ben. Yeah, yeah, And honestly, I don't want to get into a little bid lead versus rookie of the year, but a little bid lead just demolishes it. It's so good. That's, Everyone needs to rewatch and, it. And that's coming from a, a Chicago guy, a Cubs yeah. fan. Yeah. No, it's 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 a bad representation of Cubs. It's also, like, none of it was shot in Chicago, so it doesn't, like, mean anything to me. Exactly. Uh, this next bit is something of, of why this movie is so good. The cast includes several, several WWE superstars, the great Amazing. Kali, Stone Cold, Kevin Nash, Goldberg, uh, did I tell you I coached Goldberg's son in baseball for a brief period of time, like pre-pandemic? No. Yeah, that's amazing. He, yeah, seeing Goldberg sitting in the stands is is kind of bonkers. Super super nice guy. I never talked to him, but I I heard he was nice. I was only coaching it, at practice. In that same light, I coached um, uh, Green Bay Packers. I think he's a guard now, but he was a running back at Northwestern in college. But Green Bay Packers guard Danny Vitale. He's just a muscle-bound monster, and I taught him in track and field like a long time ago. And on all these stories, just prove how fucking old we are. Just like, so we are just total has-been like co- losers. Coaching watching. Goldberg's kids. It <laughs> uh, also featured former professional football players Michael Irvin, Terry Crews, Bill Romanowski, and Brian Bosworth, plus plus yeah. Nelly. This uh, yeah. and Goldberg and Stone Cold were football players before they were wrestlers. I think. It's one of the re- things that makes this movie so good, and not just because of the the comedic factor of like, oh, mm-hmm. there's Stone Cold and oh, there's Goldberg and all that stuff. It's that like sports movies benefit from casting actual athletes and wrestlers. Those dudes are crazy. You have to be crazy athletic. A lot of a lot of wrestlers, Roman Reigns, The Rock, they all played football. Uh, it's I, I think it it makes this movie very effective in that these guys actually look like they could be you know, ex-college football playing prison guards. And you know what? And this is, let's bring it back to Sandler. Sandler's an athlete. Sandler has kind of that dumpy dad body, but like he can very clearly throw a football. He can very clearly swing a golf club if anyone's seen Happy Gilmore. And like, we'll talk about the prison basketball scene with him and Michael Irvin, but like basketball is like Sandler's sport. My wife, my first wife, she used to work for Sony Pictures uh, for 10 years in L.A. And she like worked on the studio a lot. And she said Adam Sandler, who was like Sony's golden boy for decades, Adam Sandler had his own like basketball court that he would just run pick up all day and night in between shot setups. And I thought that's so interesting. Like, And it's very clear in that scene with Michael Irvin that he can, the dude can hoop. Yeah, Sandler has athleticism and athletic tendencies, and like he didn't look terrible throwing the football. The thing I was yep. going to ask you: it, Does this movie look better? Come off better? Is it? Does it work a little more if he is just taller? Just look because he doesn't look like he doesn't look like a pro quarter like an ex pro quarterback. There is something about like I was going to ask: Like, could Peyton Manning have done this? Because Peyton Manning is inherently funny. And also uh, looks the part. I don't know if he, he can't do like the smut humor, but yeah. I, I was trying to think of someone who would look because that's the thing about the quarterback position is it just yeah. it takes Height. a certain look because if you're yep. short, you have to look like you can fly. You have to look like Kyler yep. Murray or Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. like you got to be built. And even the even the guys who are like you look at Troy Aikman, he still cuts a, an imposing figure, even though he doesn't play anymore. So it's the one thing that like 
yes, Sandler, Sandler can throw the football. It's certainly not a, you know, like a Freddie Prince Jr. situation, Yeah, but it's, there is something of that look that when you watch it, it's just like, you, you know, you, you know it when you see it. Well, I looked it up, and Sandler's 5'10", which is not short by Hollywood standards. It's, in fact, kind of tall. Most actors are like 5'6", five, 5'8", five, but it's just not tall enough for a quarterback. You're right. He needs three, four more inches, and that's one of those things where, if you know, if he had maybe a little more attention put on that, like, they could have made him taller in the movie. It's very mm-hmm. easy to do that with camera tricks, lifts, certain angles, etc., but I think he does the job well of like, oh, I've been out of the lead for six years. I have kind of a gut, you know. I've got kind of that haggard look that Sandler always has. <laughs> so in that way, he works. But uh, yeah, he's not Doug Flutie. So that, that's, no. that's, the, that's the part of it that like does make me, it takes me out of the movie a little bit. But let's be honest, we're not watching this because I'm like, oh, I'm looking for a fundamentally sound football movie. No, we're watching it for fart jokes. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go into best scene. The, opening, the opening car chase, which... Shout out to Courtney Cox in that one. You know, uh, and I'm, I'm going to qu- quote this because it came from my wife's mouth. She's like, wow, her boobs are huge in this, which I noticed as well. But let me just, just to be clear, a female pointed this out. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I, it's, it's your wife saying it, not us, not our <laughs> words, buddy. Yeah, and, and I, I may have noticed that as well. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Dan, pa- Dan Patrick cameo, the first Incredible. of many first of many cameos i think it is good that we see this guy get thrown in prison for a really good reason Mm -hmm. but not an unforgivable reason like it's believable enough because it mentions he's on probation too it's believable enough that like yeah money can't buy his way out of this you know uh this crime but it's also i i don't want to pull comparisons to the old movie after this but if i remember correctly Burt Reynolds' character, Paul Crew, in that movie uh, strikes his girlfriend or something like that, which is a definite no-no. And the whole movie, if we're trying to root for that guy, we would go back to, oh, yeah, but he hit his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. in 2021, it just wouldn't fly. Yeah, we can't complain about Kareem Hunt playing for the Browns if we're (laughs) going to root for Paul Crew in this movie. Well, and like, uh, let's not be the PC police here, but like, he really makes drinking and driving look fun looks in like LA, a great, doesn't he? Looks like a great time. <laughs> I mean, it looks, I mean, he is, Paul Crew is all out of fucks to give, and he is just, yep. just getting behind the wheel of a really expensive car and letting it fly. God bless him. God bless him. Okay, the next scene, uh, tryouts in the, in the first practice kind of, you know, blended those together. You get intro to the cast of characters that are not the in shape wrestler cameos <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, you get the comedic the, relief. Yeah, you get the Kansas State guy, you get Brucey. <laughs> Uh, you, it's all the non-talented people besides Switowski, who is just a, yeah. a unit. Um, it also, one of my throwaway, like favorite lines with the, the creepy traitorous guard Unger or guy Unger, who's the thing about like the blood of the guards is going to flow like the rivers of Babylon and, and Sandler's just, that's great news. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, oh, first off, Unger has got a real Charles Manson thing going. Just from, from like his whole his face shape to his kind of hooked nose. So I think that's what they're playing off of. Sandler's deadpan delivery in this whole movie is perfect. Usually Sandler kind of hams it up. At least up until this point of his career, he's really hamming it up in his roles. But he plays this like confident, cocky, like he gets the shit kicked out of him a bunch of times and just kind of bounces back up and dusts himself off. I think it's a really nice little... I don't know if it was a conscious acting decision by Adam Sandler, but not to be that like, well, how do you do thing that Sandler always does. He's just like, all right, man, cool. This is why you can't fucking play. Sit down. Like he does that a few times to where you're like, oh, this guy 
maybe is X hot shit, which is what he is. Yeah, besides the drunk driving scene, it's a, it's yep. understated for, for Sandlin terms. And then that scene, we also get Burt Reynolds, which is... Amazing. Yeah, R.I.P. But uh, You had to include him in this. Like, I mean, it, it would have felt like something was missing. Him being like kind of a coach figure... And then him coming at the end of the game, which we'll talk about in further categories. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, the recruitment scene. I I mean, l- long-time listener to this podcast know I love it when the band comes together. It's one of, one of so, my favorites. I love that they they pull in, like, the star system. Like, it's, yep. like it's rivals. Okay. Hazen has a rating system for every con. What's three stars? The more prone to violence that the inmate is. The more stars he gets. Five stars is the max. I didn't know that. Yeah. Let's see how many stars my maniacal ass got. Wow. Well, half a star, that's got to be a mistake. Check it again, check it again. You hear about as maniacal as a box full of kittens. Come on, that's not funny, man. I'm going to have to stab somebody or something and get my rep up. Why don't we have a maniacal pillow fight tonight? I could get it up, so. Yeah, we could sell it to pay-per-view. Superstar versus half a star. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you get the the gigantic dick jokes from Goldberg again, whose son <laughs> I coached, and I, I was watching that with a watching this in a in a different light. But I, I love recruiting the you know figuring out like, hey, what's how are we going to get some talent here? Um, I also down the road I have some questions about like the five star guys. What are uh, <laughs> What are they in jail for? <laughs> yeah, seriously. What happened? I mean, granted, when you're in jail, all you have to do is work out. But yeah, um, I love that. I love how they built the team. We can talk about it a little bit more later. But like the way they did it was like Paul Crew is like, okay, first I need protection around me. So he goes and it's like the biggest, baddest motherfuckers in the yard. And then he's like, we need some speed. So he heads over to where all the guys are playing basketball. My and next scene, a- yeah. Gets himself a running back. Go on, go on, trash. Uh, I just, yeah. The, I mean, you can roll right into that 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 one on one scene with Michael Irvin and his his definite steroid energy. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can talk about that. Um, but I think a lot of people in this movie are on steroids. No, they make this whole side plot where like they swap out one of the prison guards' steroids with estrogen, and it's ironic because the guys swapping it out are like Terry Crews, Goldberg, <laughs> and then the big. Uh, and the big Indian guy. And it's like, well, yeah, but all three of those guys doing that are actually on steroids while they're shooting this scene. Really funny stuff. I have a question about something that happens in the basketball game when Sandler's playing uh, Michael Irvin one-on-one. Why is Burt Reynolds dressed like a soccer dad? Like he's wearing <laughs> like he's wearing like a little like jacket and like jumpsuit kind of thing, and he's got his old OU hat. Like, sir, you're in prison. You wear the same thing everyone else has to wear. So... The first, this is, by the way, this is a long movie. This is almost two hours. It's like pushing it a little bit. The first hour and 40 minutes, you don't see them in their cells. You don't see them. They are just like hanging out in a yard. It like, you know, fucking Terry Crews is handing people McDonald's every other scene. You're like, none of this makes any sense, but it's a ton of fun. It's very clear that these guys had an absolute blast filming this. And that is palpable. You enjoy watching a bunch of people you recognize have fun with each other. Yeah, which it it explains the basically what Sandler has done for the 15 years after, <laughs> which he was like, man, me and Chris Rock get along really well. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's run this shit back like seven times. These movie studios sure have a lot of money they want to give me. <laughs> next, next movie, Hawaii. Uh, next scene I've got is the, the first half of, of the game. Tried to, try to split up the game. Actually split up the game sure. in three different parts. Uh, Michael Irvin had to love 
getting in that ref's ass about the, uh, oh, yeah. the missed call. Like, you know, yeah. you know, he filmed a couple takes of that. It was like, let me, let me just do it one more time. You know, he missed it. There's the first sign of life from the cops. Let's see if Paul Motley crew can make something happen. Hey! First down, crew will throw. He's got Deacon wide open. Oh, it's gotta be pass interference. But the ref is waving it off. What? Oh, come on now. I'm in this hellhole for less than that. Be a man and make a call. You're right. Unsportsmanlike conduct. 88 You know Irvin had some stipulations. Like, hey, by the way, I have to be able to wear 88. I have to be the star. You can't, like, degrade me or embarrass me in any way. And also, I did one scene right to chew out a referee. Like, you know he brought that. Because he's only, like, five or six years removed from his Hall of Fame career with... Your Cowboys? Your My Cowboys. Cowboys. Your Cowboys, yep. right? So, like, uh, you know, he's still got that swagger at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he, he looks the part. He makes some amazing catches. He, it's mm-hmm. a great addition. The football action in the game looks pretty damn good. Yeah. Like it's we'll talk about that yeah, for sure. filmed by by Mark Robert Ellis's team, who's a famed sports coordinator. He did the replacements, obviously this movie, the rookie. He's done a done a ton of stuff. He's you name a sports movie, he's had something to do with it. Um, we also love when a racist gets something coming to them. Like <laughs> like uh, I think it Remember was, the it's, Titans. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Stone Cold. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Except uh, Stone Cold, what do you get? He gets clotheslined by Swatowski and shits himself. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm glad you brought up the replacements because I got a lot of replacements-like vibes from that game. You know, the first half is very comedic. There's a lot of kind of like stunts happening, a lot of trick-type plays. And then the second half, the Shane Falco, Paul Crew character has to kind of take over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next scene I've got, and this is a spoiler alert, this is my favorite scene. This is one I always look for, is when uh, when Paul Crew comes clean. I always, yeah. I, I really like, he gets the gets the scramble after he was, you know, he's throwing the game, they're not blocking for him. Huds, huddles up the team. It's always a moment when this one's on like TNT or something. It's always the moment I want to see when he admits to, um, you know, throwing that football game and, you know, says, you know, they're, they're going to pin the murder on me and all that stuff, yeah. which like, you know, in retrospect, probably could have just, they're walking out for half and be like, hey, by the way, Warren's trying to throw 30 years at me. And like, I know I made some promises, but like, I'm not, I'm not doing 30 years. And yeah, uh, all could have been forgiven, but it made, it made for a really good moment. Look, I'm sure you already know this, but I never said it out loud. I did throw that game. I did it. I was in a bad way with some worse people. After I did it, I felt so shitty, I wish, wish I would've just let them kill me instead. Now, the warden wants to pin caretaker's murder on me if I don't throw this game. So it looks like I'm gonna get to know you guys a lot better, because I ain't doing that twice in a lifetime. We got a little time left. We can still do this. I'm begging you, put your hands in here. It did. I have a bit of an issue with that. It's one of the later categories. We'll, we'll, let's talk about it. Let's let's keep it moving. Sorry, I don't want to keep. I know I keep want to interject my thoughts, but well, this, I mean, that's, this podcast that's, will be two and a half hours. Yeah, that's what it's what you're here for. Uh, and the final <laughs> scene that you know, the final TD, the two point conversion. It's like the the requirement in every sports movie. You gotta yep. you gotta list it. You gotta list the you know that that final final score so we win. What is what's your favorite scene in this one? God, it's 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 a combination of. Sandler playing one-on-one with Michael Irvin, and then any 
getting the band together scene, the recruitment scene. I do think, just to nitpick a little bit, I think they picked up, like, one or two too many, like, giant muscle-bound angry dudes. Like, you saw the same scene three or four times in a row of, like, them going to, like, an estranged prisoner who's, like, locked away on his own, and they're like, hey, the guards are playing, and that guard who's been bullying you this whole time, <laughs> he's gonna be playing too, and then the, all of a sudden the muscle-bound dude is in. That literally happens three times in a row. That probably could have been once, maybe twice. Um, also, how big is this prison, Crash? It's probably the size of the state of Delaware. <laughs> it's also, it's got the most, like, muscular prisoners on the planet. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you gotta think these actors are like, great, I don't even, this probably wasn't shot in Texas. This was probably shot in Atlanta or something for tax reasons. But there's some, like, yeah, there's something in the IMDb trivia about where, what abandoned prison. I think New Mexico, I think. New Mexico. Yeah, so to these guys, they're like, great. I'll get a workout in, a tan. I get to have my shirt off most of the time. This is an easy paycheck for me. Yeah, the gym at this place must have been a, must have been quite the scene. Like, off just off shooting. I mean, you got some dudes in there pushing around some plates. Um, yeah, I mean, I love the... I love you know, the recruiting aspect of it, but you're, it, it did get repetitive. Um, you know, Hey, this is this guy who's turning off your joy. Behar is going to play. <laughs> so let's, let's do that. Um, but it, I, it, so it was, it was nice how they did it like in phases. Like he mm-hmm. first gets protection at the line. He then did some speed. And then last he wins over Michael Irvin. And like, I guess the rest of the receivers who we don't see at all, but just like all the tall African American dudes who like initially shunned him who were playing basketball in that first scene. So yeah. it was, it was cool. You know, it was, uh, they did it well. It just may have dragged down a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going with the, uh, the scene where Paul comes clean. I, I'm a sucker for that shit. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with our best quote. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. Uh, Best quote. This one, I will say, does not have the Sandler, the typical, like, there, you know, in the Water Boy and Billy Madison and Happy, there's a ton of just random funny lines that just make you shit your pants. Yeah. This one is not as much is not as much like that. There's very little laugh out loud humor. Did you yes. have Did you have a, a best quote? Did you have a because with, with a comedy with a sports comedy, most of the time the best quote is going to be like your favorite joke like the gym thing the gym rome thing the hot dog vendors high-powered rifles i love the combination yeah so a lot of the lines in this movie i think were made for the trailer because 
I rewatched the trailer just right before we started recording, and I was like, oh, they took all the good lines from the movie and put them in the trailer. And in a weird way, the way it's shot, a lot of those lines just kind of hang in the air, and it's almost like they were like, well, this will definitely be in the trailer. A lot of Chris Rock's lines are like that. We'll get into Chris Rock in a little bit, but... So, for the lines that I really responded well to is all this stuff initially with crew uh, in the car chase. So, he, he was pulled over by Dan Patrick and his pointy-eared uh, partner... And uh, the pointy-eared partner says something like, oh, that's tough, shit happens. And Paul Crew goes, yeah, shit does happen. I mean, look what happened to your ears. That <laughs> is so fucking funny. That is just a well-written, like, writer's joke. I love that. It's just, it's a, it's a burn, it's a zing. Everyone around you laughs. The guy feels a little embarrassed, but he's not super angry about it. And then he, he's just got, like I said, Paul Crew's got this, like, weird little swagger to him. Obviously, he's drunk and driving his girlfriend's stolen Bentley, but... Literally, like, before he peels out, he's like, hey, you guys finish this beer, I'd have five more, take care, and drives off. I like that. Those were, those were, those made me comfortable with the character. Whereas a lot of Sandler roles are him just doing weird voices. I can't even do a good Sandler impression. It's just like. Yeah, that, that's him, a tough, if you don't have it, you can't, you can't pull it yeah, out of the, I, can't I'm pull not it out of the toolbox. Guy. Um, the other, the other character who, to me, was like a, a line machine that I really loved, uh, was Swatowski. Uh, like. For some reason, I I don't usually respond well to like big dumb oaf characters, but I think Swatowski's like childlike wonder it just did it for me this time, man. It was so funny. There's the scene where Paul Crew and uh, Chris Rock's character caretaker are sharing a bottle of Kettle One in their prison cells next to each other. Normal prison. Somehow, yeah, just normal prison. A nice bottle of Kettle and glassware apparently, because yeah, giving prisoners shards of glass has never gone wrong. Um, Paul Crew says, here's to the first friend I've had in I don't know how long. And all of a sudden you hear Swatowski's voice like boom down. And he's like, I thought I was your friend, Paul. <laughs> and it's so funny. Crew goes, you are my friend Swatowski. Just finish your collar and book and go back to sleep. And he goes, okay. It's, it was funny, man. I just laughed. I don't know why. Finish your tolerating book to me was was really funny. Yeah, uh, Chris Rock is is really going for it in this one. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of trailer lines. The one Chris Rock line that that really got me is when uh, he asked. It's it's during the basketball game. He asked Burt Reynolds, um, you know, can can crew play ball? And Burt Reynolds just like, yeah, he's a natural athlete. And Chris Rock said, so is Greg Luganus, but I get he did, can bet he get his ass whipped out there. <laughs> <laughs> a Luganus line. That's a, you know has that name hasn't been thrown around in a while. Yeah, I'm not sure the Luganus reference holds up. In uh, I think I think the last time we saw Greg Luganus was in the Entourage movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, you 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 need to experience it. Is that a good show? Should I check that show out? You I've should, you should probably check it out. It's uh yeah you really it's these these cool guys that are totally yeah. unproblematic hanging out in Hollywood. You you'd love it. Yeah, someone should start a podcast. Yeah, they should. They should. Uh, Okay, let's roll into the most authentic, least authentic sports parts of this movie. Let's do it. What to you stands out is is authentic, and I I think there's actually more authentic stuff to pull from in an Adam Sandler sports comedy than you'd you'd really think. What stood out to you in a football movie at that? Because football is really hard to replicate. There's so much action going on. If someone isn't like you said, like an ex-player or just have the proper training. It's very transparently wrong. So all the on-field action looked good to me. They do some Hollywood stuff. It's a lot of close-up shots, shot from a low angle to make these guys look huge on the screen. 
And then slow motion. Slow motion is like the number one cinematographer trick to make things look better than they actually are. So slow motion gives the impression that Nelly is running extraordinarily fast, dancing around people while they're flying past him for tattles. And really, that's choreography. That's like, okay, Nelly, plant your foot here and stuntman dive in this direction and we'll shoot it all in 60 frames per second, 120 frames per second, and it's going to look fucking beautiful. The slow motion is reminiscent of, and I know you've done this movie in the past, uh, Wahlberg in uh, Invincible. I have, not done, I have not done this movie in the past. Well, I'm raising my hand for that one if you want to do another film. The, funniest, the funny thing I was going to say is I'm pretty sure that we had said we were going to do that one like two years ago. I just haven't gotten around <laughs> to it. So you're, st- you're still on the hook for that one. Long, long story short, Wahlberg is playing the real life safety for the Eagles in the 70s and then Vince Papali and Vince Papali's like 6'3 in real life and he was known to be a speed demon to just burn people off the line so they have to give the impression that like 5'6 walking steroid Mark Wahlberg is super fast so every time he's running he's running in super slow motion and people are just like amazed at how fast he's running in the background and so it's, it's a good little Hollywood trick and they do that with a lot of the the on-field action in this game. He's, he's going to hear this podcast and be so fucking pissed at you. He's going to show up at your door at 3 o'clock in the morning after getting his morning Well, that's when he usually him. wakes up. Yeah, yeah after his morning <laughs> workout. He, he's not going to listen right now because he's been asleep for two and a half hours. <laughs> no, the, um, I mean, the football action is what it is for me. I mean... Sports yeah. movie, it can really come in three different three different things. One is it's it's incredible and like you talk about the action in, in that one where it it super it really adds to the movie like a warrior, um, the boxing in yeah. in Creed, like it's something that it, it heightens and brings the movie to new heights. It's so cool. Um, I think Miracle's kind of like that too. This movie yeah. is kind of right in the middle of like it doesn't take away from it, and that's really important. You don't ever feel like you're watching fake ass football. You're not watching the movie Necessary Roughness or something like that because when you get into that or you get into Summer Catch, it it takes you out of it. You're just like that's that's just not fucking real. It doesn't look good. This looks passable. It helps that they got all those awesome stunt doubles. They got people who they got it. They cast a bunch of athletes. Like that stuff. That plays. I I, I thought it was I thought it was really effective, and I. I think it makes this movie a lot more watchable. If this movie had bad sports action, I don't think that I don't think we would come back to it that much because it's not that terribly funny. It isn't, and so it's it's one of those things where if you were to look at the like, all right, you're on your streaming service, right? So you see it like on HBO Max and Netflix. If you were to see the Londis Yards cover art with Sandler and Chris Rock and Burt Reynolds, and I were to ask you, hey, is the football in this movie good? You'd be like, no, no way. It's like another Sandler like, you know cheap cheap out like you know phone it in performance but really it is good and i think that is why people keep returning to it and why it resonated for so many people back in 2005 yeah yeah i have i have something for the least authentic the first practice first time he's and this is before he's pulled any talent they they come to the line and he hikes it and they all start fighting each other and it turns into this slot fest jr football is the most popular sport in america every single person (laughs) watches it you would be more likely to have these guys pretend like they're nfl pro bowlers and like do all these fake like lineman moves that they really don't know how to do and probably get hurt that way than just break out fighting that that wouldn't it just wouldn't happen i I get it's i get it's a comedy i get a yeah i'm diving way too far in it but like it's the most popular sport in america everyone knows the basics of how to play football also they're all standing around the yard together for what's seemingly it seems like eight hours a day they have plenty of time to fight each other whenever they want yeah. they didn't just wait for that moment to do it but you're right it's a comedy it's a little nitpicky but uh, i don't disagree with it yeah yeah did you have something I, I, least authentic 
I've won, and it is it's very nitpicky as well, but that's what this podcast is kind of for. Yeah. So the guards don't seem to have any skill or speed players. I didn't see one like running back, one tall receiver. Granted, they're all like you know, these muscle bound white dudes. dudes. Yeah. There's like I think Stone Cold Steve Austin is the fullback, right? Like so there's a lot of like punch it down the middle to Stone Cold, but like, you know, you just it, it's a football team. Who's Who's uh, William Fickner throwing it to? <laughs> Nobody, apparently. Yeah, I don't... It might be a recruiting problem for the warden. I mean, because, like, you know, you can get talented skill guys to go to Texas A&M, even though, yep. you know, it's Texas A&M. You, you can't get talented skill guys to go to the middle of the Texas desert. That's just... That's not a... <laughs> I can't imagine the town is a place they want to live in. That's not... Yeah. It, it's not a place... Not a not what you want to do. They can They can... They can. There's probably better guard football somewhere else for those guys. 100%. But yeah, it's just the whole team is just muscle. That's that's all it is. Yeah, not probably not a, like a lot of fun to watch them. You know, just it's a lot of checkdowns and yeah, running the option. Just nothing, nothing, nothing crazy exciting. Not a lot of passing. It's literally like watching Wisconsin without a first round running back. <laughs> that's all it is. Yep. It's probably where all the guys came from. They came from like Wisconsin and in early iterations of Texas A&M. Yep. Uh, let's talk about what worked in this one, why it's it's somehow an all-star. Because, I mean, this could have easily turned into a starter borderline bench warmer movie. I mean, we, yeah. we saw what happened to a lot of, San, you know, grown-ups and all of the other bedtime stories and every, everything everything sure. he got into. Uh, what, grown-ups, which made half a billion dollars. Just all the fucking money got in this <laughs> Netflix to just unbelievable. Yeah. Life, yep. life isn't fair. Uh, something that that helps because again you have to. I mean, you're you're naturally going to root for for Crew because he's Adam Sandler and you know you're supposed to. It helps that sure. the guards are all wildly racist. It makes them very <laughs> makes them very very easy to root against. There's no. It makes you think that like not this isn't you know we we don't have to worry about rooting for some some criminals because these guys are all racist and they deserve what's coming to them abhorrently racist the scene in the library with nelly and stone cold steve austin and terry cruz and michael Irvin sitting around like, i forgot the about amount of n-words the amount of n-words that were thrown around i was like looking around my house like am i not in trouble for watching this it's this is a pg-13 movie um yeah no uh, it, it's very easy to hate the guards they they also like happen to just beat the shit out of every single prisoner, every scene they did. There is no redeeming... You, you'd think there might be, like, one sympathetic character on the guards, right? Give the team a little depth. Maybe him and Sandler, like, hit it off, and he becomes kind of an ally towards the end of the game. But nope. Every single one of them should literally burn alive. I mean, it's got a lot of the prison movie staples. It's got violent yep. guards who beat the shit yep. out of the prisoners all the time. That's from right from Shawshank. It's got the hot box right from Shawshank. Yep. It's got guys who can get stuff right from Shawshank. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you know, it's it's not the most realistic prison movie on the planet, but it's not not too shabby. All, you know, a realistic aspect, a guy getting 20 extra years for one punch. Pretty good commentary on the prison system. That- yeah, I was about to say that that uh that felt relevant. Um, so I've got something a little different. It's uh the most enjoyable part of this movie for me, outside of all the stuff we've talked about. This this wasn't a very enjoyable movie. The cameos, the way the uh, sports scenes were filmed, uh, the soundtrack was bang. MTV movie. MTV movie. I think we heard Credence twice, ACDC a few times. 
Eminem, Nelly, of course. I mean, he's got to have a song or two on the soundtrack. Um, and, I, and I did a little deep dive because I was like, MTV Films, like, do they, are they still making movies? The first movie I ever remember seeing that was an MTV Films movie was Orange County. Did you ever watch Orange yeah, County? Yeah, Jack Black and Colin Hanks, young Colin Hanks. Young, young both of them. And that's a really good underrated old movie. But I went through their filmography and I, and I want to read to you six MTV film movies that I think you'll respond well to. First one, Beavis and Butthead do America. It might be a little more my years of school. A little more you. Beavis yeah. and Butthead was a little old for me. But that was the first MTV Films movie, and it was a blockbuster hit. So that's what kind of started them off. Then Orange County, which was kind of an under-the-radar hit. Napoleon Dynamite, which made which like... a phenomenon. $300 million. Coach Carter, which I don't know if you've done on this podcast. Haven't yet. done, but that's a quality sports film. And then... Bringing up the rear, Jackass 1, 2, and 3D. I mean, we are, we are like two months away from, <laughs> from Jackass 4. I cannot wait. I think that's actually, I think those are qualified as sports movies, Crash. Oh, yeah. No, no. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking Jackass on the pod here real soon. I'm, that's awesome. Oh, I mean, I can't think of a better movie theater experience I've had than going to see Jackass 2. I was in college in 2006, and I was on the, on the track team at DePaul University, and it was like the first team bonding experience was going to see Jackass 2 in theaters, and it is one of the most, it's seared into my brain, who I was sitting next to, what I was wearing, what I was eating, because it was just so memorable. I'll go to my grave remembering that more than I will like years of my life. It's, it's incredible how entertaining that experience is. So anyways, long story short, MTV Films, hit makers. In 2006, they did Varsity Blues as well. They did? Yeah. That's See, an, not, it's I'm an MT, not, MTV movie. I'm not as bit of a fan of that movie, and that's why I left it off. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the soundtrack soundtrack slaps, although I don't know if you heard, if you listened to, so that I can't remember what song ends the credits. It might be Shake Your Tail Feather or something, <laughs> like something that slaps, yeah. but it ends pretty quickly, and it goes into some Nelly song that is Cheeks. It is fucking awful <laughs> it is it is real it is the it is the song they promised nelly they would put on those credits yep. to get him on that yep. movie and it is yep. it is real bad or um, he like recorded the song and they were like oh this we'll is put great this at the end of the we'll credits put it in, we'll put it in the movie we'll make sure someone hears <laughs> don't this. worry don't worry nelly yeah i stood next to nelly at a urinal once he I used to how was that he's he's short and he had his whole crew with him i worked at an italian restaurant in downtown chicago and uh I don't know. It was one of those moments where I'm not going to say anything to Nelly at the urinal. Like, he was in town for one of those, like, holiday concert jingle bash type things. And, you know, I just kind of, like, gave him a look, maybe a nod. Not, obviously, while we were at the urinal, as we were walking out. But Did he have the Band-Aid on? Was that Band-Aid Aaron Nelly? No, he was actually, I think he was dressed in all black with the do-rag. And, and yeah. Uh, but, he, I mean, I remember him sitting at a table of, like, 14 people. And they were all, like, his his crew the the squad they were probably they probably all flew out to new mexico to have this one filmed (laughs) you know what else worked about this one is they got james cromwell respected actor to play to play the villain who is yeah who is awesome in this awesome yeah deep like you know central texas warden like just you know cares more about his constituents and his you know how his polling is doing like as opposed to like actually taking care of his prisoners it's it's the perfect movie villain. It really Pretty is. Pretty sure he does like I Robot and then this. Yeah. Like which is which is uh that's that's a choice. He's also in oh god, what is he? He's in uh he's in Succession right now, which is fantastic. Yeah. My favorite show that's on right. TV besides right. Ted Lasso, of course. <laughs> so, what didn't work in this one? 
Because the the movies like this, even though we like them, these are the fun ones to uh, to pick up. Oh, the, okay, the most obvious one, and this is the thing with almost any prison movie. These yeah. these guys are in prison for a reason. Yeah, some of these yeah. guys have been in prison. Like Nate Scarborough has been in prison for a long time. <laughs> uh, we got guys who are listed as five star dangerous. <laughs> that, so and and this is this is two. There's two sides to this coin. There are some dudes who are there. There are likely some dudes on this team who did some real bad shit. Yeah. There's yeah. also some dudes that are wrongfully convicted and probably should not be in jail. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a mixed bag. I feel like that evens itself out, and we can still root for the team. But uh, did you? You're you might have uh, you might have noticed this. You know when they run into the stadium and the one guy stands up and he holding up the sign says, "I didn't do I didn't it." Do it. Yeah, did you great. know who that was? No. That was radio personality Big Boy. Wow. Wait. You know, if I watched Entourage, which I don't. Which, <laughs> he, yeah. Which he, he may have been on three or four episodes of Entourage. Because uh, Hot 97, right? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Incredible. There's some, there's some, out, there's some like outlander, um, outlying cameos in this movie that are good. I was a big D12 fan growing up. And all of D12 minus their star. Minus the guy who got, got D12 famous. Or <laughs> uh, just like standing on the sidelines during the basketball game. And then you had a bunch of ex-NFL coaches and stuff just kind of patrolling the sidelines of this movie. It's it's really cool. Uh, I love that, like, all the stars came out for this. But, okay, what didn't work? Uh, I have two things. Um, the first is Terry Crews' character, Cheeseburger Eddie. I mentioned <laughs> earlier, every Adam Sandler movie has a character or a side plot that's, like, aimed directly at, like, a 9- to 10-year-old. And this was, I guess it and it just doesn't work it maybe it was like a marketing deal like mtv's like listen in order to make this film you had to bring up items on the fucking dollar menu at mcdonald's 12 times but <laughs> it doesn't even not even cracking a smile it's just weird and strange and clownish to me and terry yeah. Crews is very funny yeah and what's the uh i mean this is diving way too deep into that what are the logistics of getting the McDo- how is he doing this because like <laughs> because caretaker is our guy who can get stuff cheeseburger eddie just has a mcdonald's plug that is unexplained and that town did not look like it had a close mcdonald's listen there's a close mcdonald's everywhere in the world as you know so you would be surprised actually sir i have driven out to west texas you would be surprised (laughs) how far you can go without finding a close mcdonald's that's interesting yeah so i mean and that's like more of a nitpick but i think my second least favorite thing and this was just overall kind of a bummer was i did not respond super well to chris rock's character and i fucking love chris rock he's one of my favorite stand-up comedians of all time roll with the new was like one of the first comedy albums i ever bought it's probably one of the big reasons i started doing stand-up comedy but chris rock's never been regarded as a good actor but his style of comedy does not belong in a pg-13 movie like he needs to be in an R-rated version, there should be being like, you just got knocked the fuck out. Like, he needs to be screaming hilarities. But he's kind of what I mentioned. He's kind of just doing lines meant for the trailer. Clearly, you know, he's one of Sad- Sandler's buddies. So, I don't know. It just it, it feels off to me. I didn't smile once or laugh at anything he said. And he kind of had this run of this in the 90s and early 2000s where he was in a lot of stuff. But I don't think any of it was that funny. What do you think, It's Crash? It's kind of hard to pick out the best Chris Rock. Because, like... Chris, yeah, Rock, you think true. about Chris Rock and he's just, he's crazy funny. Like when he hosts the Oscars, it's really funny and all his standups yep. are really funny. But like I go just, okay, I actually where I love the movie head of state. 
Oh, I you know what? That's I, think head of, I think head of state is very funny. Um, mm-hmm. But most everything else, I mean, like down to earth had its moments. I always CB4 was real early Chris Rock, but I like I like CB4. CB4 is basic. Have you seen CB4? No, I haven't. So CB4 is like early 90s and it's essentially it's a parody of it's it's like a parody of NWA, essentially, okay. that Chris Rock forms Chris Rock's character is kind of like a poser and he forms this he he takes the identity of this gangster who is played by Charlie Murphy nice. and forms this NWA type group and i think like even cool. they they basically rip off the song straight out of Compton and it's it's young chris rock that's going to be yeah there's not a i mean he was just in the new uh saw movie Fargo. Which, Fargo season too. Yeah, so, he was in the Fargo season, but he's also in the new Saw movie. Yeah, no, that I I can see that. I wanted to ask you another character. I don't uh, Tracy Morgan and the yeah. and, and like, that whole that that yeah. I think that plot gets thrown out of this movie. Gets made in twenty twenty. It, it was those were jokes that I mean they just it wasn't that funny. It wasn't even at the time. It's like oh yeah, I guess in prison there would be characters who want to be females and are like the resident you know bitches in quotes and Shawshank we called those the bull queers and they were a lot scarier <laughs> and they were very yeah every time you see what was that guy's name oh uh Boggs who Boggs. was fucking that's terrifying a, that's a Boggs the pederast who's yeah, in your in your favorite favorite movie The Departed I've yeah no I know he every time you see that actor you're like he's that's Boggs, Boggs forever yeah that's terrifying he has taken Andy Dufresne's butthole virginity yeah thank you um no i mean the thing with tracy morgan you see him now like i would have just rather him been some sort of like kooky random prisoner or something Uh, a coach or like you know he's like the kicker on the team right you know he's just like the goofy kicker something something silly yeah um i have a couple a couple more i think we all would have known if there was a heisman trophy winner in in prison (laughs) i feel like that would have been common like nate scarborough i thought you were dead i don't think I don't think that would have. Been, I think that would still be big news. Like we'd all be like, if if hypothetically OJ Simpson was in prison, we would all yeah. be talking about it. Um, I am from, not from, but I, I lived in San Francisco for a very long time, and uh, I lived right near. I'm forgetting the name of the fucking prison now. It's where like Manson was and Alcatraz. Like, oh no 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 no! no, 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 no. But, like, obviously Alcatraz, but yeah. like the one that's still uh, still in existence, and all the listeners are probably screaming into their headphones right now but uh you drive past it and you'd be like oh i know the top five prisoners who are in that prison right now and you're absolutely right nate starborough would be one of those people yeah um i'm not sure there's there's just no chance they'd put babyface bob in the booth with chris berman yeah that was it wasn't even that funny and also just chris berman can't act chris berman's very like one speed he does his like three or four reoccurring bits and so just like seeing him try to be like scared in quotes or like uncomfortable you just said okay Berman have another drink and like (laughs) relax (laughs) um that's about that's really all I've got Mm -hmm. for for what didn't work um the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on-screen athlete we've kind of covered it and that they just they grabbed a bunch of athletes like Michael Irvin is a hall of fame football player you know, all these wrestlers are in fantastic shape. There's really nothing, you know, we talked about Sandler's shortcomings, but I don't think there's anything he could have, he could have helped with that. Like I, I thought he played to the best of his ability, really. I don't, I don't think there's anything that's taking away from it. Kind of like I said earlier. No, I completely agree. And I think if you looked at that group of guys, let's just put all of them, let's take the movie out of it and put them all in a group. 
the best athlete out of all of them by far is Michael Irvin. Like he's he's the alpha prick athlete in that group. They're all listening to him. They're all listening to him tell stories about winning three Super Bowls. He's just recovering from a spinal injury. He's got like a swagger to him that doesn't like even compute to the other guys. So I, it's it's Irvin by a mile, and uh, there's no other answer. Yeah, yeah. The Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. This is this is an all time Lenny Harris group. This is yeah, a tough. There's a, there's a lot. There's one person we haven't mentioned at all who sure. is on a heater in this one for a very minimal amount of screen time. Shout out to the great Cloris Leachman uh, as Lynette, the secretary, an all-time horny movie performance. She, but that's that's like all of her performances, like after the age of like seventy. Not so fast, sugar bear. You gotta earn them. <laughs> We only got 15 minutes, but sunshine, we're going to make them all count. One more, please. Mm-hmm. Cloris Leachman played the old horny lady, the uh, the roast of Bob Saget, yeah, where she incredible. has the line about she's just here to fuck John Stamos is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've, I almost forgot about that scene because I, I, I probably got up and like got a drink of water or something during because like you just knew what was gonna happen. Like she's gonna be horny for Paul Crew and corner him in an office, and he was gonna get something from her. So yeah, I kind of just roll my eyes at it because it's like every single role that she has. Um, but yeah, no, she's, she's going for it. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mentioned it earlier, but Bob Sapp as Switowski, just, he's great. The big baby in like a six, eight muscle bound body. He was an ex wrestler and a two time ex practice field player for my Chicago bears in the nineties. Oh. So I, I like seeing that. That but would, that, that would make sense. That he's endeared got the him to me more. You mentioned earlier Fickner, William Fickner, who yeah. played uh, Canauer. Who is who is he to you? Because he's a, he's a that guy. He's a that guy. Uh, what's funny is like I, I always for some reason just see him as the bank manager in The Dark Knight. Dark when, Knight. When the Joker shows up, but he's definitely had much, much, much bigger, badder roles. One of the guys in The Perfect Storm. Um, yeah, that's he's right. the guy who he's not getting along with. Uh, oh, John C. Riley, and then he yep. then he saves him. And then yeah. saves him, saves him all for not, not to, sorry to spoil the perfect storm. <laughs> um, Cromwell is the warden we talked about is great. Yeah. His, his right hand man, whose name I forgot to write down with the Colonel Sanders guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's that's a, a great line by a funny bit, but I mean, yeah. this is, yeah, this is just an all time, like so many people are, are so who's who. Yeah. Yeah. Are getting to, getting to share the ball a little bit. Multiple times I just like exclaimed. I think that's seeing like Romanowski out there. Like, I don't oh know yeah, you, we haven't even talked about Romanowski. Like he was perfect. He, they they utilized him the perfect amount. Like he had a couple scenes where he was motherfucking Paul Crew, slams his head into a locker a couple times, and but it's it's perfect. Nobody liked that dude. So like it's he just he he added to the whole vibe of these are bad dudes who are good football players. It's funny the guys that they got, the famous guys they got to be guards. Yeah. Because it's like Romanowski, yeah. Bosworth, who is as polarizing mm-hmm. as you possibly could be. I am not a wrestling guy. Was Stone Cold was he like a was he a villain? Like did he have a villain turn or was he I I mean I'm everyone not, loves the everyone yeah. loves the beer shower thing, but I mean yeah. he's certainly intimidating. But they, they got a few guys who were like 
no one's ever rooted for Bill Romanowski. Yeah. You know who I was just shocked beyond belief wasn't in this movie? Who, if you would have asked me, again, haven't seen it in 16 years, if you would have held a gun to my head and said, JR, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson in The Laundice Yard? I would have been like, of course. It's a bunch of muscle-bound dude playing football in a prison. He's he's made like six of those. And the fact that he wasn't at this stage in his career, Kyle, at 2005 when he's still doing the wrestling thing, when he's just starting to break out, I think he maybe only has like that Tooth Fairy movie under his... He's like coming like, off the rundown, I think. Yeah, yeah he's right not yet like what he is now. I'm just more shocked that he wasn't involved in something like this. The interesting thing about him, though, is he went in, he went right into, like, how many supporting roles has he really taken? That's true. He, he would have had he, to be the coach or something. He did the supporting role in that, that weird sequel to Get Shorty. Um, <laughs> oh, he did yeah. that thing. He, he and it played, like, kind of a weird, like, I think, like, a closeted gay character or something like that. Mm. And after that, it's like, it's always, he's going to be the star, even if it's not a star in a huge movie. I, I don't think he, t- so... I mean, if you make this in 2008, he's probably the star. True. 2008? What? Yeah, if you make, if you make this in like 2008, 2009. Oh, oh like, gotcha, like two, two years later. Yeah. He did Gridiron Dane two years after that. I've got his IMDb up in front of me. So the rundown's 2003. Walking Tall is 2004. Oh, I love Walking Tall. That's, a, that's, like a, that's an objectively like not great movie that I'm a huge fan of. So it was Be Cool, which was the sequel you were thinking of. 2005, this time period. And then right after this is Gridiron Dane. So again, I would have definitely gotten this mixed up. Um, if I hadn't just recently watched it. And then he, his his career kind of takes off in, it looks like, 2010-2011 with Fast and the Furious, Journey to the Mysterious Island, G.I. Joe, Pain and Jane, Fast and the Furious. Just, that's where it all just becomes... He becomes like a, a business, essentially. Yeah. I, uh, I handed him over some money a few weeks ago to take my son to see Jungle Cruise. How was that, Crash? It was fine. It did some things that were good. It did some things. I mean, spoiler, it forced a romantic subplot that was not there. Between Blunt and him? Between Blunt and The Rock. And it is not there. It is not something they should have done. It is not good. But it, I don't the think Dwayne The Rock minutes. Johnson is capable of like love. Honestly. No, yeah, I think he, 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 like, he flexes his bicep, smiles, and sells me stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I would have bought them a lot more as just this, this adventure duo. It, yeah, but anyways, back to this great movie. Kyle, when are we doing a episode-by-episode breakdown of Ballers on this podcast? <laughs> I mean, at some point, the well's going to run dry. We've got, <laughs> I watched the first season of Ballers. First season was okay. The yeah. next two were not. But yes. Yeah, I think I funny thing about funniest thing about Ballers is John David Washington is fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like and now he's a superstar. Yeah. Inc- incredible. Incredible. <laughs> well, we'll do Ballers after we after I give in and just like, you know what, we're just gonna talk about Tenet for four episodes. <laughs> uh is there a big chill moment in this one for you? I, I actually I have one that so I, I talked about Paul Crew when he admits to shaving the points. I'm like, yeah. that's a cool moment. Yeah. Michael Irvin showing up to here comes the boom. That's awesome. Yeah. That's my that's my eighty eight right there. That's awesome. That was my first eighty eight. That was that was pre Des. That was my eighty eight. The hell is he smiling at? It's better if you don't knock it off. I guarantee it. Let's do this. There goes the neighborhood. 
Yeah, I get that as a Cowboys fan. That would that would give me the the stupid chills too. If it was Walter <laughs> Payton, if it was Walter Payton walking out, you know, and for some reason he survived long enough to make this movie in two thousand five. Um, the whole movie, I'm going. Does Burt Reynolds play in the game? Is he like an, a player? I feel like I remember that. And then when he shows up with the uniform on, I'm like, he totally plays. It's probably the last play of the game. And then he checks himself in. I guess he's essentially like tries to be like a decoy, but then they give him the ball and he runs it in for the the, the tying touchdown. Burt Reynolds is probably 69, 70 years old when they shot this. I mean, he looks great, but it looks was great. It was it was comedic, but I don't know. He literally like grabbing the helmet and running onto the field. I was like, oh shit, he's gonna play. It, it kind of gave me the chills a little bit. The unintentional comedy factor of this one is summed up into two things. This movie, you get to see Brian Bosworth lay out Burt Reynolds, and you get to see <laughs> Michael Irvin and Goldberg dump Gatorade on James Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, just a who's who, an ad, a Mad Lib style like you know movie script. Yeah, yeah. How would you improve this one, Jr.? You know, it's. It's, it's pretty good as is. You touched on this a little bit. I think this is, I don't know, like the whole pinning a murder on him halfway through the, the, the championship game and all of a sudden it literally being like a life or death stage thing for him. It was a little transparent. And then at the end, like Fickner just being like, I would have backed you up on that. So we're actually all good. You're like, well, what the fuck? I, I think if you drop that whole plot line and then you make it be, like the warden being like, Listen, you lose this game for me, and you're a free. You're a free man. You never have to see these guys again. You don't owe them anything. You walk out those front doors. And that just is, like, grounded in a little bit more of, of realism to me. That's, like, yeah, that's a little more, like, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, but, like, granted, like, you know, you have the death of Terror so he's, like, emotional about that. And he's now made friends with all of his teammates, so it makes it a little bit more like, oh, he's got more to lose by doing that. But at the end of the day... Anyone's offered a one-way ticket out of there to do anything, they're fucking doing it. He's gonna go, I don't care about beating the guards, I care about leaving. Like, and he would tell his teammates that, and I bet 80% of them would be like, yeah, man, of course. Like, that makes mm-hmm. total sense. <laughs> <laughs> Who could be funny and also seem like a former NFL quarterback? Oh, actor-wise. Yeah. Interesting. Could Chris um, Evans do this? He's not tall enough, man. Uh, like, honestly, you need to be, you need the height, and that's what's so tough about Hollywood. Like, could Hemsworth you know, do this? So I'm gonna give you one, and this is aging me a bit, and it doesn't exist in reality. But it's Vince Vaughn, circa like 1994. Oh, like yes, like, he's oh like 6'4", yes. skinny. He's got that big head. He's got that fucking double down Trent. Does double this? down Trent Absolutely. confidence. That's it. He's kind of he's got a mouth on him, so he keeps getting the shit kicked out of him. Oh, it's it's fuck. Vaughn. I'm so sad that that movie isn't a thing. Oh my god! Because like that double down trend is lightning in a bottle. Because we yep. don't ever the the next time we see that guy, he's he's in Wedding Crashers yep. and he's a little more bloated. He's a little yep. more over the hill. He doesn't have there's there's a difference in like that the young confidence. Like it is that is lightning in a bottle. Vaughn and Swingers in that ten years somewhere in there. He like is an ex NFL, or maybe even not even NFL. He's like a college star who just like, you know, his life maybe gets into drugs or something like that, and they need him to turn this team around. So, are we talking about a remake right now? Is that is that, is that some ideas? Other kind of kind of yeah, we're kind of combi- combining the how to improve it and then yeah. before more restore. So roll into your what are your remake thoughts? 
Because obviously, like they should remake this type of movie every 10, 15 years. This yeah, is great. It's kind of, this one is one of the few I've done on this show where it's like, this is actually prime for a remake. It's 16 yep. years old. Yep. It did really well, and you know Hollywood loves a fucking safe bet. Yep. Like it's it's prime for a remake. Do you have what what are your what's your thoughts on that? So this wouldn't be a good film, but I was just thinking about it in terms of like if this were to happen today, if this were to happen in 2021, this is what this would be. It would be your boy Johnny Manziel. Oh God. Partying somewhere and getting getting the call, or 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 he fucks his life up so much that he's in prison and he's getting the call, and he just like this prison is full of. Just all the has-beens, has-nots, TikTok stars, just burnouts. It's like Chad Ochocinco. It's Ja Rule at running back. You got Vanilla Ice as the kicker. Hulk Holden is like the assistant coach. This is not a good movie, Crash, by any no, means. No, it's, it's terrible. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually like one of those straight-to-streaming, like, it's all the way deep in the Amazon Prime sports collection. But... It's like that vibe of like, oh, hey, we're all fucking losers and like we're going to try to beat these guards that are beating up on us. And Johnny Manziel can still throw a football. And it's called like the longest yard, fourth and goal. (laughs) 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 That's tough. The only the thing that stops that from getting made is I think entities with large amounts of money have finally realized that they're no longer ever going to trust Johnny Manziel with any sort of investment whatsoever. Yeah, he's burned literally every bridge he could possible. So there's no way they're going to put him at the centerpiece of a movie. But yeah. that's but that's like the reality show version is what I'm saying. That's like, yeah. you know, hey, we'll we'll put we'll make this thing real and put actual cameras there and interview everyone in between every episode. Yeah, I mean, it's not out of the question that this gets. I mean, it, it checks all the boxes. It was really successful. It's already existing IP. There's familiarity with it. You could, you know, honestly, you throw a big ass check at Adam Sandler and he's probably in it as he's Nate Scarborough now yeah. and they just run the whole playbook because like he doesn't give a shit about making a bad movie. Like he'll do that in two seconds. That's obvious. God. We're probably going to get this in three years. <laughs> and we'll, yeah, we'll break it down on this. I'm just, just to, to cover our, to cover our asses, I'm just going to search the longest yard <laughs> reboot and just make sure that we are not already talking about something that exists let's see maybe we'll write it i'll i'll i'll, I'll, t- I'll take the first pass of the draft you know I, I don't live that far from hollywood like a 90 minute drive so we could uh get in front of the right people yeah we still got we still got time so uh <laughs> we're good no one is no one has started on this yet oh there is there is a usa today story about apparently burt reynolds never saw the movie which is because <laughs> <laughs> he's a fucking lord I <laughs> quote i didn't see it i didn't want to see it <laughs> He didn't want to see it. <laughs> didn't want to see that it. That was that was a paycheck for Reynolds. He was probably only on set for like six days. Probably oh. walked away with you know two mil. This is incredible. Quote: There were like seven people in an office, and they were talking about how they were all going to make the best picture of the Longest Yard. Says Reynolds, and I said, "Well, I hope you make a good one, but I don't think you're going to make a better one." <laughs> Reynolds makes it clear he went for a paycheck part. I said. Quote, I said, well, good luck. How many days am I working? Three days? I said, okay. And how much money is it? Okay, this is good. <laughs> Dude, you just reached a point in your career as a, as a former, uh, former sex icon where you just go, yeah, fuck it. How much are you going to pay me? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> this is just, this is stunning. <laughs> God. Burt Reynolds, what a fucking lord. R.I.P. 
JR, this was great. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, yeah, tell man. the folks, again, where they can vote for you to send you to Austin so we can hang out. Let's do it. Yeah, send me to Austin so me and Tyler can do this in person. Uh, in the show notes of today's episode, we should have a link to the South by Southwest website. Just hit that. You've got to sign up for South by Southwest of town. I know it takes five seconds. And then there's literally just a button with like an upward arrow. I just need you to click that. I'm literally going to try to get this via upvote. So I'm I'm tapping all my Austin-based friends, all my Texas people, and uh, I'd love to come in and uh, and, and see, see your, your gorgeous face in person, Kyle. And we can play some golf. Folks, again, if you do that, send me a DM. I'll shout you out on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Leave a five-star review. Uh, and if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. You can support the show. You can pick next month's movie. The voting's open right now. Early lead for the greatest game ever played, which kind of has oh, me a little surprised. So good. I'm still very surprised it's winning. I thought uh, Love and Basketball was going to take it, but there's still time to vote. You got the poll poll closes the, the last day of, of August. So patreon.com slash big screen sports support the show. Help us out. Uh, We'll catch you on Thursday for Ted Lasso Episode 4 Recap. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.